0: Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk
1: all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes.
0: So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year a lot of our events money will be going towards them and they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone so if you wish to support the cause please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast and you'll be seeing a lot more information about black dog over the next year
2: here again for another episode of keeping up with data as always keeping up with data is for our community to keep everybody up with the latest trends technologies and what is happening in the market so today we are blessed with the lovely presence of Malcolm Wanstall and Emily Noda. Um, so yeah, we've got a couple of interesting topics to discuss today. Um, Malcolm's VP of data in Cochlear, but I'll let him do his own intros. But we're going to touch on data privacy. Um, obviously, a lot of people interested in that space right now. And next year, there's going to be a big, big, big uplift in that space, particularly with AI coming into the market. So yeah malcolm if you want to introduce
1: yourself tell us who you are yeah for sure about. absolutely um yeah so uh my name is uh mal Wonsall. i am malcolm once usually when i'm in trouble Mal once uh, for most <laughs> of the other times um i am uh pretty fresh into the role as uh vp uh, of data at cochlear looking across the data strategy so for those who don't know from a data cochlear uh, from a cochlear perspective um uh, the cochlear implants are basically bringing um hearing back to those who can't hear anymore which is a pretty Pretty awesome mission to work towards, um, and and data obviously underpins the whole organisation. So my role there is to figure out what the path forward looks like over the next three, five, and fifteen years from a from a data perspective. So you know, no big deal, very simple, <laughs> really easy to work out. Um, but yeah, my whole career has been in data. I'm a data nerd through and through. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, definitely got a lot
2: to touch on on it. So I suppose Emily, was there anything in particular you were interested in? <laughs>
0: I reckon you've been in like big businesses like obviously we talked yesterday like banking is a massive one you get quite siloed there's yeah. a lot of you so now going into Cochlear where it's a not greenfield but like somewhat greenfield where yeah. you've got to like condense everyone and make sure you're using data effectively how has that change sort of felt for you?
1: Oh, look, in all honesty, it's, um, there, there are parts of it that's wonderful. So I had a team that was around about 1,500 strong of, of engineers and, and analysts and data scientists and whatnot um, back at Westpac, which is my prior gig. Um, uh, love it. Brilliant. It was awesome to scale that big. Um, but you, you end up having to try and aggregate around about 1,500 people challenges into every day, which takes up about 99.9% of the day. Um, so, so Cochlear has allowed me to get back to my passion, which is really actually trying to, um, figure out the, the art and science of data and how it can bring value to an organization. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, bit of a one man band at the moment, starting to try and centralize data and build up the team again. So, uh, both are awesome. Uh, I think I, I enjoy, um, being in that kind of close knit community and being able to build things from the ground up. It's, it's always very
0: gratifying. Can't wait to see how you take off because it's going to be a good, big journey, but a good journey. Yeah,
1: <laughs> journey. It's always a big journey yeah. in data. It, it, it always starts small and grows big. I mean, quite honestly, back at um, Westpac, the team there in that big data team, that the, when I walked in, just going back about six years, had, I think... 20 to 30 people in it and so it up with about 1500 so it grew grew very quickly if there's a i don't know whether you guys would say too quickly but it definitely grew very quickly
2: yeah yeah that's pretty crazy but i suppose kind of reeling it back into the start with data privacy obviously data privacy has been breaches left right and center i suppose and Australia, Medibank. You were with Medibank. So I was. Could I touch was, on that if yes. if allowed. If, if, Not or...
1: during. That's all right. So yeah. It was post-me.
2: <laughs> all happened because you left. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly right. But we uh, with sure there was nearly every company in in Australia, 2022. We're like, well, yeah. we need to we need to lock down things. So how do you start from? Okay, let's just say you've got a business and 100 people in it, and you plan to scale up to a thousand. You don't know mm. when it's going to be, but you obviously. From the start, you need to have data privacy governance. You need to have things ruled out to avoid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you really do. It's like this uh, privacy is this weird thing. We we, uh, we kind of think of it as a binary, like we either have privacy or we don't like our bedroom doors either closed or open. Um, and, and the reality is like for all of us, we haven't had privacy in in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably for most of our lives, we haven't like it's continually been a thing that's just been more and more um invaded upon as data's grown and the methods of getting into data have grown. So most organizations now tend to, um, tend to start to think about it when they move out of that small business mentality and they start to think about quantifying things like, what would a data breach actually cost? What would it mean to our brand? What would it mean to, um, our, our customer base? What would it mean to our products? Um, and that's when it starts to become real. Like people then start to think about, oh, okay, this is something that really needs to be front and center, not just as a nice to have, but it's a, it has the potential to do massive brand damage. Yeah. And we, we've seen that like over the last couple of years, you can kind of reel off the, the breaches. Um, and now, you know, Optus, poor Optus the other day, you know, kind of had the one two punch, but it was all fresh in our minds from what, what a lot of us went through, last year with that privacy breach situation. Mm. Yeah. was Optus was Optus a breach or was that an outage? Um, the recent one was an outage, but previously the, oh, it was yeah, a breach. Yeah. So the, the, the one of the one two punch was a breach uh, and that was actually a great example. like a lot of breaches are not um, you know uh, a very small lapses of judgment and, and that was the case there where it was effectively a you know a, a development endpoint that um, was left open um for some for anyone to just go and query, but it had a bunch of production data in there. And this is like the thing. So small companies and, and even a lot of larger companies will say, well, it's really hard to create synthetic data to create um, false data that replicates production scenarios. Mm-hmm. Well let's just use prod data and test. Yeah. It's a really easy thing to do. Yeah. And and I guarantee you like every data engineer listening or watching will have done it at least <laughs> once. Just go, oh that's the quickest thing to do. But these are now the repercussions that, that can happen mm-hmm. with just that one little technical lapse in judgment.
2: Yeah. How how do you come back from something like that? Like as big as many, obviously you can't come back by helping your customers. But if X amount of people's data is out yeah. online for people to buy, how do you? Yeah. You can't really come back or get it back. Like
1: this is it. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's one of those Pandora's box kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Once once your data's out there, and now, there's now a lot of sites that you know you can go and and search which breaches you've been involved in and which and and what data is out there exposed um a lot of these companies um have kind of gone and sourced the data from you know quote unquote the dark web pulled it all together and let you search it to see whether your um whether your information's exposed um once it's out there it's out there um i think the the cold comfort um that many of us can take is that um a lot of our data was voluntarily out there anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. true. Um, If we think about what we've volunteered through all the services that we sign up for, through basically every single time we fill in a form Mm -hmm. um, and every single time we click I agree without reading and just (laughs) click free subscriptions to stand free subscriptions. 10% off, 10% off. (laughs) Next, next, next. So I think a lot of it's been volunteered away anyway, Um, but it doesn't... um, But how do you come back from that from an organizational perspective you've got to rebuild trust like you've actually got to go out and prove that you can be a good custodian of people's data that you don't treat it like a privilege Mm. um and i think that's the switch that's happening nowadays like how do we get data to be um truly owned by the people and that companies are effectively um, asking yeah they're asking for consent and using it only when given yeah.
0: What do you think about the Optus opt to do 200 gigs of data to the that has an end date by the way of yeah. 31st of December. So, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. After all the outages, yeah. like
1: on Telstra. Oh, uh, well, I'm so uh, oh, wow. I didn't learn the first time, and and still here. So uh, and I know I know a lot of people who work for Optus um, and and do a fabulous job behind the scenes. Uh, from a PR perspective, I think it's you know it hasn't been received super well. It's um that yeah. is that is not a um not really commoditized very like we all don't it was the last time you ran out
0: yeah exactly so
1: in terms of what they've offered i mean to me they've offered nothing because i think i have i don't know if i have unlimited data but it feels unlimited. i've never yeah i think when i was with optus they used
2: to give you the option i think i had a crazy package where you could have whatever 200 gigs of data as 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 the package which i was probably 20 gigs i was hitting yeah but they gave you the option to donate your data to or your yeah your 4g 5g donate it to people who
1: yeah, so, so at the time, so I was on the receiving end of that. So at the time, I was working at the Smith family who were one of the non-for-profits who received that data. Oh, nice. um, So that was an awesome idea as to where, um, you know, these, these um, kind of bigger tech organizations can find an effective way of using data to give back because um, that, that's massive. Like if you go to disadvantaged youth, a bit of a tangent, disadvantaged youth across Australia, one of the biggest disadvantages is that um, technical divide Mm. So can't do their research for their homework, can't interact with their friends and family um, online because they don't have the equipment. And if yeah. they do have the equipment, they don't have the connection. So, yeah, that was a that was an... Or maybe that's a suggestion. Yeah, yeah if you're yeah. listening, you know, throw it to charity instead of giving it back to yeah. people. That's so true. That is true.
0: What not to do when you're trying to buy yeah. value customers. Right. Like. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. God. I think you touched on as well, Mark, on the other day, you put an article about... Um, this shook me anyway. I think it was 89% of the states. Or I might be wrong Yeah, this.
1: close. Yeah, 87%. So, so this is this, is this um, whole uh, re-identification um, uh, underestimation by us. We, we think that if we just give little bits of our information away, it's kind of, it's okay. You know, it's really hard to...
2: Google incognito. To we
1: are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so it's done, <laughs> fixed, right? Um, but yeah, so the study, and this is an old study, right? Uh, Carnegie Mellon, I think... Uh, uh, 2000, the study was um, across the US census data. So around about 250 million people um, 87% of them were able to be individually identified with just their postcode, their gender and their birth date. Mean um, yeah, so if you think of like those three things, you'd be like, I don't care anyone can know those three things, they don't know me and yet 9 out of 10 people they absolutely do know you just from those three pieces of information. And it goes to this thing like they, um, we feel Strangely, we feel really attached to our names, um, like our names are our identity. Um, and, and like, there's some stuff that we can figure out about names. Like, names could probably tell me so, a bit about your demographics, um, probably tell in, in most cultures, could tell me a bit about your background, if it was first name, last name, um, could probably guess your generation from your name. Outside of that, your name is like the least interesting thing about you from a data perspective. Yeah. Um, but, but I can guarantee you, if you go and start to look at your, Google profile or your Apple profile, the the things these companies have on you, which isn't your name, but everything else about you, just tied to an ID, that is like way more, they know more about you than you probably know about yourself. Um, And that is when you think that they can understand exactly who you are from potentially three little bits of information, when they stitch together like thousands, hundreds of thousands of bits of information around you. And they know exactly that it's not a cohort, it's not 20 people. They know that it's you, yeah. they follow you and they understand exactly what you do. This is where, this is what I say when I say privacy isn't binary, like we've been giving it away for a while. We just, yeah. need to, we need to figure out where that line is, yeah. each of us.
0: And the myth of people listening to you on your phones obviously not a thing or is it
1: absolutely yeah yeah so there's this comes up all the time right The the is the microphone i'm a firm believer (laughs) definitely yeah Yeah. so so and there's been like you know there's 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 been a lot of research into people like actually ripping apart the phones and 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 working their (laughs) way back and decompiling what's on the chips um it's not that they couldn't it's not that they're, they're good corporate citizens and they couldn't just sneaky switch it on the reality is in your phone there's like a there's a um uh, built into the hardware. If you say those keywords, so you know, okay, Google or Hey Siri or, or Alexa or whatever it is, uh, whatever your flavor is, that's the only time that it switches the microphone on. The reality is, they don't need to. So, like hearing what you say um, versus understanding everything that you do and you volunteer to your digital device where you are, mm. all of your shopping, all of your um, uh, receipts and emails. Uh, all of your photos, all of your notes, like everything, all of that you voluntarily signed away. So having to listen to you as you, you know, sing in the car, like- <laughs> the least informative thing that they need to do. Yeah. They, they, they know you anyway. So when you get those weird things like your Instagram ads about cat food, when you, you know, you accidentally mentioned cat food in the car, there's something else about your trail that told them, that you, you need?
0: <laughs> sometimes I'm like, surely not. Because, yeah. like, sometimes I haven't even men- mentioned it at I all. I
1: think the scary part
2: yeah. is the, when you think about it, and that's the bit yes. where, like, that's where it gets a bit creepy because yeah. you can, like, sometimes I've thought about, like, random-ass things, but, like, camping, for example, I'm yeah. like, oh, I need to get some pitchforks or camping or I need to get X, <laughs> Y, and Z, and then...
1: Exactly what you need just,
2: just a like... random example, like, and and then I've got pitchforks on my Instagram feed, I'm like, oh, yeah. how does... Yeah. What has that come in?
1: Yeah, well, see, this is the thing. So this whole um, like, if you go down that personalization path, um, learning uh, people's behavior, so we are we're we're pretty easy to predict, um, and especially when you have a massive data that's actually looking across, you know, large populations um, that you're able to cohort really smallly, um, the chances are you've exhibited a bunch of behaviors right before your pitchfork camping holiday <laughs> um that other people who who take pitchforks to camping all three of them uh, have also exhibited right before before that decision point so mm. it's it's almost like at aggregate it's actually probably more nuanced than your own thinking like it's able to pick up on where you're going before you know you're going there mm. and that's why it feels creepy that's why when you see it you're like oh man how did it know that yeah but there are a bunch of cues that you unconsciously or subconsciously give that at aggregate because of the amount of information that's there, these algorithms are able to kind of pinpoint you personally.
0: And they start recommending you stuff because they know all of the things about around it right? yeah. rather than what the actual thing is. Yeah. yeah. So smart.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. it's a it's a fascinating technology. It's like the more you go into it, the more you get into this mindset of at the one point you're like really scared and going, oh my gosh, this is, you know, mm. these corporations know everything about me. We're living in 1984. It's come true. It's, you know, the Matrix or, or uh, or you know, iRobot, what's next? <laughs> and then there's a part of you that kind of goes, well, you know what? My life is incredibly convenienced by all of these things. Mm. Um, and you actually see a lot of, um, you know, the younger generations, start to make us feel old, but the young, the kids nowadays, uh, they just embrace it. Um, mm. Like to the point that actually almost um, kind of scoffing at the idea of that their privacy or their data is anything to, to be protective about. Yeah. You saw when they tried to ban yeah. TikTok here um, because of, you know, the conversation around banning TikTok here because of the involvement from, uh, from a Chinese government standpoint mm. um, of, over the corporations with ByteDance and so um, it was um, yeah. Like the backlash was huge. Mm. I actually think they would have been writing on the streets. And, um, yeah, I think that's a whole different ballgame altogether
2: with, like, the advertisement for kids. I definitely agree with that. And there's that kind of twine into why kids now, not kids, but, like, under 15-year-olds who have access to phones are almost so addicted to their phones because they're getting these prompts that are like, yeah. oh, I need to go there. And they just lead on a spiral to constantly yeah. searching the next thing that comes into their feed.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a and this is where, like, data is totally in the realm now of, of should we, not could we. Because the reality is we can't, like we yeah. can do lots. We can do lots of bad stuff if we wanted to. And you only have to look at, you know where um the advertising and the gambling industries have already taken us to know that it's not hard to influence people. There are studies that show how easy it is to radicalize human beings um if given the right channels. So we know we can. It's now coming back. and this is where I think, you know, uh, legislation and 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 um, regulation are kind of probably playing catch up because they've got to start thinking about the should we, and and setting like frameworks around what how do we need to protect the world of tomorrow from all of the can we's when we know we can.
0: Why don't you think it's like the first port of call that's happened like before? All of this is now blown up, and it's kind of just like, oh shoot, we need to backtrack a little <laughs> bit and do this. Like, why has that not been like a building block? Yeah, at the start. It's a good
1: point. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a good point. And, and and this is like, I guess it's the it's the beauty and the and the danger of of free innovative societies is mm. that you're you're ultimately driven, especially in capitalist societies, you're ultimately driven by what makes your buck. Mm. Um, and you know, it's 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 more economically viable to manipulate people than it is to not manipulate them so Mm. um so that tends to run to the forefront and then industries will try and self-regulate and they'll kind of self-regulate because they don't want the regulation to come in from the government because they know it'll be a bit more heavy-handed and then invariably uh, we're going to this ai trend right now right Where, Mm. where governments and 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 corporates are all struggling with what the right balance is how do you um how do you make sure that the rules are there but also you don't want to stop innovation because if you stop innovation in australia or in the u.s other countries aren't going to stop they're going to push it harder and then do you lose your advantage as a in the global you know arms race of 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 it and data and ai so yeah i think um legislation and regulation is always lagging um but man they've got a hard job Yeah. yeah there was the whole thing where um i'd seen
2: it i don't know when exactly it was but i think it was this year where like silicon valley founders for Mm startups x y and z all had this petition where jeff bezos elon musk all had signed to say stop ai yeah yeah and then elon musk (laughs) jumps on and says i've got the next best chat gbt it's my thing
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting the the if you look at the people look there's a there's a part of me that really wants to take that that altruistic lens and say they were signing in good faith but the (laughs) um the people who all were were kind of signing on to that were largely those who have led the industry and kind of taken their slice of the pie. Yeah, manipulation and it's biased. That, you know, everyone,
0: slow down. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so I think it, it, I think there's there is some genuine concern. Um, you know, we're in this this whole Gen AI LLM craze over the last six to twelve months, um, and no one knows where it's going to stop. Mm. Has been genuinely interesting, like fascinating to watch. I don't think, um, we, we, we haven't seen a tech take off like this for some time, um, the real, the, the next, um, thing that everyone's watching is this whole, um, AGI the artificial general intelligence, the idea that, you know, not just that AI can't just mimic, um, uh, based on a bunch of, uh, historically fed patterns like it's doing at the moment, but it can actually, um, perform tasks that it hasn't seen before. Um, you know, equivalent to that effectively of, a, of the way that humans learn. Yeah. And that, that world's going to catch us by surprise. Everyone like a few years ago was saying that's probably still 20, 30 years away. And now mm. a lot of people are saying that's maybe five, 10 years away. There's some people that are saying maybe we're a little bit of the way there already. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a very... How exciting. does that get governed?
2: like if if you can't govern basic data from the start, yeah where does it come when ai it's
1: a, it's a weird world right where if the more the more human these you know uh, algorithms that are effectively code writing code become mm. you know we're all governed by laws and those laws evolve um if i go and if i go and write a piece of code that code um, I'm still governed by the laws, but that code isn't governed by the law. Yeah. Um, and if it starts to operate a little bit autonomously, and we've seen heaps of examples where, you know, if, if you feed history into these algorithms, they replay the worst history of human beings. Like, we're historically a bit racist. We're, like, we do a lot of bad things as humans, and if you put all of that data in there, then the machines do the same thing yeah um i think it was amazon who did an early study on to in hr um and fed in a bit too much data and and their um their preferred candidates were suddenly coming out as like white men all the time because they fed it a large enough amount of historical data that showed well you know back in the day yeah this is is our our persona persona, this is what we're white (laughs) men's wow yeah it's it's an interesting world we're going into yeah
0: what about your plan then for like cochlear? Cause obviously you're going to be pivotal to all of that. Well, not all of that, but most of that and the build. like. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's, it's an exciting time. I think, um, this, this world of, um, being able to, um, augment the human experience and, and you know, the parts of, you know, the fleshy parts of us that are a bit fallible. Um, I run a lot and my knees suck. So I know that I know the parts that are fallible, um we start to get augmented a little bit more and more. Uh, cochlear implants have been around for 50 years hmm. but the way that they build into our environment is um, is developing really quickly the way they're able to um, interface with our phones via Bluetooth and our TVs and, and um, the world around us our computers is developing really quickly. So I think that the world of tomorrow with those kind of devices is going to be much more about the the connectedness and how that enhances people's lives, um, and so this this data journey for cochlear is um, uh, really exciting. Like I'm coming along at the best time. This mm. organisation has has gone from strength to strength. They lead the industry, and now data is really beca- uh, coming to the forefront in how we can shape this this medical technology of tomorrow. So I am a very very minor cog in this incredible wheel but it's a privilege to to lead that data strategy throughout the the next um yeah the next couple of years
2: definitely definitely a very very good time with everything that's been going on in the last while for sure um what was i going to say that i was going to touch on something funny yes we talked about elon musk and i'd seen elon musk as Put a petition out to find the first person who's willing to put his brain chip into the brain. Yeah. What what's that? And mm. will Cochlear be purchasing some?
1: <laughs> well, um, I think if I think for whoever's signing up from that should look at the um, uh, the monkey participants that they've used so far, who I don't think have fared too well. Um, I think there's quite a few quite a few ethicists who um, are slightly concerned at the amount of um, at the amount of primate waste that's come out of that program. <laughs> oh um, so yeah, Planet of the Apes. 2.0, watch out. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, I think the the augmentation, like Elon Musk aside, because um, we don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, but the 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 augmentation of humans with data um, is a really like uh, that's where we're going. Mm. If you think about today, like I know I've got my heart rate tracked right now, all of my steps, my GPS have been tracked. I got here, you know, um, uh, via Uber that, that mm. told me how to get here and the time to arrive. Um, knows where I've got to be next and it'll tell me when I need to leave. (laughs) So all of the, I think we're already very augmented with data. Um, The next barrier for us is that kind of fleshy digital barrier, um, which is already getting pretty iffy. Like you watch most people walking around the street and will have um, earbuds in Mm. all the time. So they'll have a conversation with you whilst they could potentially be having a conversation through their device or or be getting translations or other information fed to them. Um, That's not a very convenient technology because you've got to take it out. It runs out of batteries. It's kind of stuffy in your ear. Will that get further integrated? Will the world of, you know, these devices that already connect to our brain through our ears or through our mouth or through our eyes, will they just get closer and closer? Probably. That's the way they're going. And I think if you look at what we're becoming comfortable with, Um, it's just like that body augmentation is becoming a bit more normal. Um, and I think, you know, without trying to get all iRobot on us, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very different world in, in 10, 20 years time than it is today, which is normal. You look at 20 years ago and if you'd said where we'd be today, people would have laughed like it would have been science fiction
0: we meant to have holograms in that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. flying cars. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> flying cars are on the way. I've seen. Well, so we won't get into oh, them. That's, yeah. a, that's a different yeah. topic altogether. Or, yeah, yeah but I did see some things like when when you see like futurology kind of conversations, and there was a lot of um like we we may not although we're getting close to holograms. I'll tell you what, some of the 3D technology and augmented reality is getting there. But this idea um that we would be having conversations with people all around the world in one virtual room at the same time is now day-to-day for yes. us. Like you don't think twice about having a phone call, a visual phone call with someone from the other side of the world in different time zones and just interacting like you're face-to-face. Um, even five years ago, that probably would have seemed like, oh yeah, that's something that you do on occasions but won't be mm. day-to-day. And that's normal. It's normal to roll out of bed whack on the uh, on the on the computer and you're face to face with someone who's yes. over the other side of the world you do yes one
2: well, that came out recently the B VR headset where you can on off pretend to be someone in a brand new world and it's like yeah it's cool to do that thing, but people are actually just going to sit on them all day in their reality. Yeah.
1: well this is um uh, so i uh, Hollywood seems to be, like, getting a lot of things right in retrospect. Um, I think it's that uh, 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 WALL-E movie that uh, oh, yeah. paints humans as rather large, sitting in their, um, I think they were hovering, their hover seats, and just plugged into, plugged into augmented reality all the time. And, um, again, if you look at the change between childhoods 20 years ago and childhoods nowadays um, in terms of what was digital um, and what were digital in, digital interactions with friends and how they related and 20 years ago, where everyone mm-hmm. was kind of out on bikes and it was all face-to-face interactions. I think the world, even though I think face the Facebook to meta um, move was probably a bit presumptuous and and I think um, Zuck himself will probably be saying it was maybe a little bit too early. Um, that whole metaverse concept it's kind of been poisoned now, but the the idea that we will live, in a very augmented digital world and want to spend a lot of time there because it's preferable to the the real world.
0: It's I just don't get it. Way. I don't get it though. Like I don't want to live in a digital virtual world. Like I also I like probably don't really understand the metaverse very well either. So like <laughs> I uh, don't want to understand it either, yeah.
1: It's not the thing is right now it's it's like crap. Um yeah. so so if it's not good, it it it's not a good experience. Yeah. But if it was um if we weren't physically here, but it felt like this, mm. um, there's, there's no, like the idea is that the worlds come together and yeah. they meld. And, and when it gets to that point, when the experience is close enough to that, there's probably not much, uh, no reason to not desire it mm. because look, getting people back to the office post COVID, um, has been a really hard slog yeah. because they got staying at the convenience of waking up, staying in your home, don't worry about a shower, just put a filter on the screen that makes you look better than you are. <laughs> like all of those things yeah. became really enticing. I yeah. reckon that's step one in the world towards as soon as the digital world becomes more enticing than the real world. And, you know, there's some stuff about the real world that's not so great, so maybe it's yeah. not that far away. Um, yeah, look, it's it's probably, we're probably the, the wrong generation for it, mm. but um, I don't think it's many generations ahead. Mm. Um, where where they'll be facing into that mix between what is the right amount of time to spend in the digital world and not.
0: Yeah, it'll probably be, yeah, like you say, be a better experience. I feel like the conversations will be so weird and different at that stage in life. Like, who did you pretend to be today? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well,
1: if you think of it, like, there's already, I mean, people have literally died from starvation because they were playing World of Warcraft for too long. That's so, like, there's already people it. who live in a digital world Literally until their 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 physical world withers and dies. So I think you know the pre- the not a good precedent, but the precedent is mm-hmm. there. It's just how we um how we walk that line and 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 when we decide as humans that that the we've got the mix wrong and try and mm-hmm. fix it up. And it comes down to back to that privacy thing, right? I think mm-hmm. that's also where we're grappling with the um where's the line? Where's the right, right. line between oh, I've given too much away. And I want that back, but it's too late Yeah. Um, versus I'm really convenienced by these things and I couldn't give up Google, Facebook, um, Apple, Amazon, whatever.
2: Mm. So we're selling your data yeah. and who are clearly evidentially strong developers. coders. am going to need a company. They can hack you, they can do all of this stuff. Yeah. What's happening? those guys and can do things illegally as it is right now yeah than extraordinary with AI as well
1: yeah it's a Mm. I mean the 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 bad guys online, you know, are often effectively, and they're painted as as look they are they're doing illegal things, but they're effectively bad against organisations. They're trying to manip- they're not trying to manipulate individuals, largely. There's obviously a bunch of scam bases that are, but mm. the 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 data breaches they're not trying to get money out of individuals. They're largely trying to get money out of organisations yes. because they're the big bickies. Um, I think the the ones that we need to regulate more are around um, both. The large organisations and the governments that have um, infinitely more resources than than these, you know, small nefarious actors, um, and can do the same things, mm. um, but can put a much better PR spin on it. And I think that's where it's incumbent on us, like all of us in the data industry, to try and figure out that framework of the, you know, those kind of ethical frameworks of the when should we be doing something, when should we be putting our hands up and going, this doesn't feel right. Um mm. this could actually be at, to the detriment of society mm. it's a really hard, big question to grapple, and I don't know um whether anyone's really got it right yet been pretty much right it's it's yeah. it's every day there's a new technology that comes out and you think wow do i do I want to be a part like this impresses me, but is it like impressing me in a scary way or a happy way yeah and it's it's hard to know. It's genuinely it's, I'm
0: picturing know. like they need like a big, almost like sector seven on transformers or like you know like yeah. for data and it needs to be like that intense to be like governing it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm just picturing that movie Get Smart where they like sit around the <laughs> table and they need like weekly meetings around like all these
1: breaches. I mean, if we're learning anything, it's that Hollywood has the answers, right? They've laid the laid put yeah, out the blueprint yeah. for us. We just need to follow it. I think yeah, it, there's definitely going to be, and, and look, there's a lot of conversations going on at, at state and federal level in government mm-hmm. right now, trying to grapple with data and um, and AI and and what we do, and and you know, groups set up like Data61 with CSIRO that are really trying to figure it out from mm-hmm. a, um, a a public um, private partnership how we how we do this. Right, mm-hmm. it's just moving so fast, and yes. this is where like governments have struggled in a, for a long time with technology it moves so fast that you're never going to be in front of it you're always going to be running behind it mm. and it's very hard to put those advisory boards in place where everyone's a genuine actor and don't have a bunch of self-interest including the government mm. parties so it's it's a it's going to be a careful world that we navigate i think the best thing for the world would be um, the continual education of, of, of data with the kind of kids and adults of tomorrow. Mm. It needs to be a skill set that they understand, because I think still today, a lot of people are giving things away that they have no understanding of yeah. and that they will come to regret in many years' time. Skill, for example. Yeah. The target
2: history, your Basic, basic, basic things in math. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah. Yeah. In and yeah. And and the
1: risks of doing X. Online. It's just getting Absolutely. It's and and digital literacy comes by default nowadays. Yeah. Like Kids just learn it, and and the the like. It it would be scary to be on the other side of that and watching a child grow up and grapple with all of these things because it is so. It's, it's a bit of a cowboy world out there still from a digital mm. perspective. And, um, yeah, so I, th- I think education is the key. It's it's going to be, I don't think we can wait for, as much as I'd like to say we could, I don't think we can wait for legislation and regulation to no. to help all of us. Um, and that's why I think it is incumbent on all of us data people to try and be um, good citizens and try and look out for the world because I think we're in a very unique situation mm. Um, where we can really kind of shape uh, what happens next, for the better or the worse. Yeah. Um, and and it's a it's a very privileged position to be in, but it's also kind of daunting because if we stuff it up, you know, maybe the matrix is what's next and the robots take over. Maybe that's for the best. Who yeah.
0: Knows? What would you say like because you're going to start hiring into your team obviously when you figure out your roadmap. Yeah. Like. If you, let's just say you're in a position where you've got this team, they're like a mixture of analysts, governance, BI, reporting, insights, engineering, analytics, data science, whatever, yep. the whole picture, what would you drill into them? Like maybe your top three things that are from like an AI sort of data privacy governance perspective? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think number one is, um, that, and look, most data people already know this, Mm. um, which is never stop learning. Mm. Like you have to reinvent yourself yearly Yeah, because everything is moving so fast. So if it's, if the industry is something, if that's something that scares you, um, then I would probably stay away from data at the moment because Mm. it's just not going to slow down for the next probably decade, maybe more, who knows? Um, yeah. So I think the never stop learning would be number one. Um, two is is be prepared to be a generalist. Um, there was this time where data it was a real kind of depth subject, and you'd have your technology experts and um, your very specific experts in, um, you know, streaming data or batch ingestion or, or ETL or mm-hmm. um, you know um, some of the uh, data visualization. More and more those you know, very corporate speak, those T-shaped skills, mm-hmm. um, that being a professional generalist is just who you need to be in data because you're going to need to go and tell the story. You're going to need to be able to understand the the business context of what you're dealing with. You're then going to need to be able to go and dive into the code um, and try and understand how it all fits together. You're kind of like the glue of the organization. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would strongly say um, be and embrace being a professional generalist. Mm-hmm. Um, third part would be, um, I think just to, uh, strap yourself in because change <laughs> is, um, going at a crazy pace at the moment. It's exhausting. Uh, like there are times when I sit back and I'm just kind of take a breath yeah, and then I get back on the treadmill and keep going again. But, um, yeah, so it's it just kind of strap yourself in. It's a super exciting time, super privileged to be working in this industry. There are mm. many who would have loved to Have lucked into the industry when folks like myself did by pure fluke. Um, So uh, it it is a privilege, but you need to be ready for the grind because it is um, it is hard work.
0: Yeah, I feel like that generalist thing lands well. eh? Like we get a lot of requirements where everyone's like, oh, you know, they they wear multiple hats, and like we're going to do this, but maybe twenty five percent of the role is actually this. But like, it's probably a really good thing for your career if you're in that.
1: I've actually, the amount of times I've kind of had these coaching conversations where I say you need to, that generalism is something, it used to be something that you were scared of because you're like, oh, I'm not good at anything. Mm. Um, But now, especially in data, you are expected to be good at everything. Even if that means you have a specialty Hmm. and that you're awesome at one thing, but that you can get by on everything else. You need to kind of understand that full gambit because there's no role where you can be hidden from it anymore. Mm. There are very few. There are very few where you can just be a data engineer mm. and just do pipelines and not have to understand yeah, any no. of the requirements mm. and just kind of pump it out. Um, even in the big, organ- like if you look at where where um, Google, uh, Google, Alphabet and, and um, you know Amazon are going, mm. there's a lot more generalist people there. They're yeah. hiring a lot broader skills. So yeah, I think embracing that is the best thing you can do for your career. Yeah, I struggled for a long time thinking like, what am I good at? Yeah. The second you said,
2: "Are a generalist, I'm like, Yeah, yeah. shush, shush. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Me, obviously, in my, my areas, they... yes. Oh, um, yeah. You're not know, 10 million fonts more that I'll ever know about. You have to deal with how does someone be a generous when they're like, right now, in the market is data, engineers, AI, ML, that's the big bogus of people. be mm. be
1: generous for that? Work. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point and so and and that's it doesn't mean don't have a specialization. So your specialization is your kind of secret source it's what sets you apart from the 50 other people who are who are going mm-hmm. to that role um but the that general like it, it's just not staying in your lane. and I think that's uh, in in that data world you're expected to not stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. so even if you're so MLOPS, right this this like absolutely like total wizardry um mm-hmm. that you need to be you need to know very specific things to be able to do. Um, But if you don't understand how that ML tool chain is going to enable the business change, because ultimately that ML use case is going to require a return on investment. Mm. And if you don't understand that broader context, and if you can't go and have that business conversation with those people so you understand it, nine times out of 10, you're going to deliver something that is technically awesome and totally misses the mark. And that's what moves you from being like a rock star that everyone loves and says this is the guy go and speak to this person versus um someone who is exceptionally technically brilliant but doesn't land all of those awesome things that people talk about yeah prominent think I was like keep looking totally it's and it's just an awareness you don't have to be real and look I get it I'm a data person total introvert you know if I could just stay in my my room in the dark 24/7 I probably would um but but it's about you know brushing up on those other skills enough so you can be broad enough to um just to have those interactions apart from anything else but from a data perspective no one knows what we do like mm-hmm. no one gets it yeah. like it doesn't matter who i meet if they're outside the industry they'll you know go oh what about this data mesh let's talk about that they don't have any clue what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. so
0: I just go um, straight to AI. Yeah, oh, yep, yeah. AI. ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> GPT. Yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if it, it's, it's, that's right, it is everything. Yeah. So it's incumbent on us to be able to bridge that gap and learn to speak other people's languages so they can help value us the way we need to be valued.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's, Good little nuggets there. Yeah, absolutely. What about last, I reckon, final roundup? Just a little bit of a sell on yourself and your team. Like you're going to be mm. building it out, Cochlear, your team, well, you as a person.
1: Why me as a person speaks for itself. Oh
0: no. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me let me start with Cochlear. Everett Runner. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me start with Cochlea. Um, so there is um, one sense in the world um, that can be completely absent and can be brought back by technology and that is hearing and that is through cochlear implants and there was one company that pioneered that and that's cochlear it is one of the very few companies that australia-based and a global leader you can't say that to many companies Um, and so it's it's an amazing privilege for me to be able to work there not only do you get to kind of wake up and when it's a bit of a dodgy day you go all right um, my company is restoring hearing to people who couldn't hear yesterday. People who couldn't talk to their daughter, their grandmother, their son had never heard their mother's voice before can now do it today. And they couldn't yesterday. Mm. So that is a pretty good, Sold. Th- yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like who wouldn't sign up to that? Um, look, going beyond that, the, the future of, of not only cochlear, but, but um, all in this med tech industry is around data. Mm. Um, it's, it's leading the, it, it gives us a chance to lead the way. Data used to be in the background. I started in the data warehousing days where you were kind of the reporting people and you were a bit after, a bit of an afterthought and you were kind of the, you know, the kicking person in the corner when everything, <laughs> when everything didn't go right. Um, data is leading the way. We, we have a seat at the front of the table now. Um, and And from my perspective, um, that's what I bring to an organization, and for those who have worked with me before they 'll know that 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 my deal is about um, making sure that people not only recognize the value of data but that I help people um, uh, sell the value in themselves um, because a lot of data people aren't awesome about self promotion mm. yeah and the reality is data's running the world like if there should be anyone who's able to go out and toot their own horn it's people who work in this industry so mm-hmm. um you know i am super proud to say that that um people who have who have come out of university and and worked for me in in graduate programs are now um working for google working for canva um uh, working for for um at atlassian um and that makes me super proud it makes me super proud when they leave to go to those places so i think for me um And those who work with me always understand that that it's about um making the most out of you as a data individual so if you're not sold by the cochlear message of being like you know the 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 most impactful um organization in the country if not the world um then then come and work for me um because (laughs) because i can set you up on the path for success and i love people who just love what they do Hmm. that's what it's about for me it's just Mm -hmm. like if you don't come to work and enjoy what you do then do something else because there's, yeah. in the data industry, um, there's a heap of things to come to work and be excited about. Mm-hmm. And there's a grind every day, but um, yeah, I love it and I love working with people that love it and that's what we're going to build at Cochlear over the coming years.
0: Yeah, we so true. So true. Exciting. Well, we'll wrap it up there, I reckon. Yes. Up
2: great chat. I'm sure everyone is going to be very interested in... You're
0: going to be hit up in your DMs. Oh, look,
1: totally. Absolutely hit me (laughs) up. Throw them all at me. And obviously go through Precision Sourcing.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Thank you very
1: much for listening. We will be back.